up, ladies and gentlemen? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Live Free Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Maxwell. Today's guest is Mr. Joshua Petker. He joins us via Skype from his home in Los Angeles. We talk digital space, moving, Los Angeles, Eastern Europe, history, Italy, 9-11, Miami, evolving as a painter, being in a rush, dark matter, which I'm in a rush today, if you can tell this a little quick. Uh, world power, abstraction, escapism, and double fun. So, as always, make sure you go check out MikeMaxwellArt.com, click on the blog or the podcast link, and you will get all the information about each guest. You can subscribe in iTunes. Just go to iTunes, search Mike Maxwell or Live Free Podcast, which is kind of a tough search because a lot of the podcasts are live and free. So, uh, if you search Mike Maxwell Podcast, it'll come up in iTunes. Click the subscribe button and all the episodes will show up automatically in your podcast folder on iTunes. Um, So go do that. If you don't deal with the iTunes, you can listen to the show right from my website, MikeMaxwellArt.com. Click on the podcast link, like I said before, and you'll see all the episodes available there. You can download the MP3 and put them on your phone or your player, or you can uh, listen to them right there through the site. You can also listen to us on Stitcher if you don't do any of that stuff and you got the Stitcher app. Just uh, search Live Free Podcast, Mike Maxwell, and you'll get all the episodes right to your phone without any downloading. So make sure you go do that. If you'd like to support the podcast, you could donate. Uh, if you go to the podcast page on MikeMaxwellArt.com, you'll see PayPal links. Uh, each blog entry that is is a podcast blog also has the PayPal link. Click that. You could drop a dollar, you could drop five dollars, you could drop ten dollars, you could drop a hundred dollars. Or more. Um, this episode I'm happy to have sponsored by Freakware.com. That's F-R-E-K-W-A-R-E.com. Hard E with the freak and wear like software, like like changing the brain. The the brand is looking to aim at people who are willing to sort of change the the stereotypes and the sort of monotony that is modern society. It's looking to market towards people who are uh, against the grain, so to speak, in a in a positive way. You know, sometimes you say that and it sounds like like a a pissed off anarchist who's just trying to fuck the system, but that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about people who uh, stand up for injustice, people who uh, will step out of their comfort zone. To, to do what's right. So make sure you go check out Freakware.com. That's F-R-E-K-W-A-R-E.com. Uh, you can follow them on Twitter, on the Facebooks, and all that is also at Freakware. So remember, it's F-R-E-K-W-A-R-E, hardy, like being aware. So yeah, big thanks to them for for supporting the podcast. It, it means a, a great deal to us. Uh and I'm happy to to be getting a lot of interesting emails from listeners too lately, letting me know that the show is important to them. It uh, it means a lot to actually hear that that the show is doing stuff for certain pe- for people uh, that they're getting some enjoyment out of it. This thing is a labor of love, so it's uh, it's nice to get rewarded in some of those ways too. So uh, I appreciate all the kind words. If you want to, if you don't want to send me an email, that's fine. If you do, uh, you can. You can always email me at info at mikemaxwellart.com. But instead, go over to iTunes and leave a comment on the podcast page. 
you can rate uh, one to five stars and leave a, a review over there. And when you leave reviews and stars, it puts us higher up in the rankings, and that's important for our egos. So please go and do that. And again, thank you so much for all the kind words. It's um, it, it does mean a lot to me, and it's much appreciated. Oh, yeah, and when you go to freakware.com, make sure you use code word live free and save 20% off your order. So you can follow me also at uh, Mike Maxwell Art on Twitter and follow the podcast at Live Free Podcast. And we got a like page too. The like page has been, I've been posting a lot of stuff on the like page. So go over there and like the Facebook Live Free Podcast page. So with all that said, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Mr. Joshua Pector. All right, let's give Joshua a call. Mama <clears throat> Joshua Pecker. Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, you sound good. What's up, brother? Good. How are you? Good, man. Nice to meet you finally. Yeah, I know. It's kind of weird that we've uh, we've sort of half known each other for a long-ass time. Yeah, I know. I feel like I do know you, but it's still... Uh... I don't know. It's weird not to meet you. <laughs> I know. It's only still that next step because we're still like partly digital. Yeah, man. Totally. Which is weird that we've never shared the same space in, uh, in, it seems like I've known you for at least six or seven years. Yeah, for sure. I mean, based on the internet. Yeah. I think I, I first became familiar with your work through the shooting gallery, I suppose. Like somewhere right around there, maybe even right before that. Like, uh, sure. I remember a long time ago you did a portrait of uh, my friend Jasmine. Um, oh yeah, when you were doing a, a a series of female portraits some time ago, and yeah. uh, she's actually she's going to be on the show um, as soon as she gets done traveling. She's a she's a badass tattoo artist. She's traveling all over the all over the globe, really. Oh yeah, I follow her on Instagram. She is doing very well. Yeah, she's super rad. So. Um, I, you know, right when I posted on Facebook that I was getting ready to talk to you, uh, poor Al sent me a, a Facebook message <laughs> yeah. and was yeah. telling me about the um, the early crew days. Uh, oh, yeah. Did, uh, so you grew up in Southern California, yeah? Uh, mixed between Southern California and Northern California, but back and forth, yeah. What were you doing? Where, where, where did you first grow up? In, in Southern California or? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I it's it's you know one of those literally man i lived in uh, los angeles till i was i think 11 and we were up in san francisco until i was 15 and uh a year in oregon then another year back in la and then another year back in san francisco and and i think around then i was 18 and i stayed in san francisco when i was 18 at first was uh what were you doing all that traveling back and forth for what what's uh uh just my folks my uh my parents you know my mom uh at the time was actually a, a Presbyterian minister. And so we moved based on where she got jobs in the church. And so, uh, yeah. And my dad worked for himself, so he was portable. So we just traveled. Nice. Was uh, that, how so, was that as a kid? Was it stressful, like going to different schools and shit? Yeah, of course. You know, there was a lot of uh, leaving San Francisco for Oregon was especially difficult just cause, uh, at the time I played music and, you know, was involved in things and, uh, Oregon, where at least the town we moved in was very small, so it wasn't a lot of uh, culture there. But uh, you know, like life, I uh, don't regret any of it because it, I learned a lot from it, and uh, I guess rounded me out in a way. You know, yeah. At the sure. time, it was hard, yeah, for sure. 
Did uh, did you pick up graffiti when you were in San Francisco? Yeah, actually, I picked it up in Oregon, but it was because of San Francisco. I uh, I had friends that wrote in high school, and I was more into music, but I've, I I liked it, you know. And then uh, living in Oregon, as I even just kind of said, it was harder to find things to get involved in, and there was a train hub in the downtown, and so uh, you know, you just would see it more often, and I you know knew people in San Francisco and started drawing and you know one thing led to another and then i moved back to san francisco and already had some friends that were more than happy to uh take me out <laughs> you know? yeah sure um so. that's kind of like something that it's funny however long ago that was when your parents were going back and forth like that's something that seems to be happening right now even like a lot of people that i know or like a lot of people from san francisco are moving to portland or at least outside of san francisco like moving to oakland or you know, a lot yeah. of people are moving to L.A. even. Yeah, I know. I'm, I have a few friends in L.A. that I'm amazed live here from the Bay Area, actually. But uh, yeah. And then, yeah, I have a lot of friends in Portland, too. Portland's a great town. I've thought about moving there. Yeah, there's. I like it. I like to visit. Um, I have a thing about Los Angeles, actually. I, I don't know if I'll ever leave this city, really, but I do like to visit other cities, and Portland is one of my favorites. What is it about Los Angeles that, that suits you? Because a lot of people uh, shit on Los Angeles. Me, when I was in my like late twenties, I I decided to start start taking a shit on Los Angeles too, like hating it. But <laughs> I feel like I wouldn't. Ha- I don't hate it as much as I used to. Yeah, uh, I mean, Los Angeles has a bad rap, but I think some of it's deserved. Um, it's a big city, obviously. There's a lot. You know, I think uh, talking about it in general terms, one would think of, a, or simple terms, the celebrity and all that stuff. But yeah. that's never been any part of my experience here, you know. Yeah. Uh, Los Angeles is just a weird town. It's like not supposed to be here, you know. That It's a desert, and it's incredibly populated. Uh, and generally, uh, people move here, I think, pursuing dreams, and uh, everybody's doing something. It just has a vibe that uh, I like. And... and Though I lived a lot of places, I consider it my hometown, and just I like it here. Yeah. The beach—it's it's just a weird town. Is it one of those places like where you know somebody would say it has like an energy, like that? It's almost like when you have large groups of people all together clumped into a space. Like it's almost like their sort of um, their neurons start firing in a particular way. Like there's some sort of electricity. That, that... It does. It does that for me. I, I can't say it does it for everybody. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny. I uh, I'm not really a big fan necessarily of old Hollywood cinema or something, but uh, but every time I drive by down La Brea and you pass by a Chaplin's old studio, which I think is still the Jim Henson studio now, I get a little buzz of just the fun of again this weird, unnatural, creative mecca just born from the desert uh, is here, and it's I like it. Yeah, so yeah I get it's the interesting. Sure. Like all of Southern California, really. If it if the if it wasn't for for water shipping systems, we this whole thing wouldn't even be here. Yeah, man. I've uh, again going back up and down the coast so many times. I've been up in uh, Redwood City and all those towns, and, and definitely met the few people, random townies who uh, decide to tell me that if a war breaks off, they're going to cut the water from L.A. or whatever. Nonsense. You got like but, uh, militia type homies up in the mountains or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's Shit. but yeah you're right I mean it totally depends it's a, like I said it's not a it's not self supporting at least uh, on the environment yeah the palm trees are fake even you know 
I know, right? People don't even realize that. It should ship yeah, in from Hawaii or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Greece or something. What's uh are you Greek? Are you Greek or Russian? I was trying to figure out what your last name was. I'm I generally just say I'm a mutt, really. The last name is German Mennonite, which is a pacifist Christian uh Eastern European sect, I guess. Um but I'm a big mix of everything, you know. I think uh yeah, I'm a big mix of everything, man. German, Irish, Eastern Europe, a lot of Eastern European type stuff. But and I get, you know, Prussia is Russia and Germany, so. Right. Yes. I've been, um, it seems like some of that imagery has been showing up in your work a little bit lately. Some of that, uh, like, uh, Eastern European Orthodox. Uh, I know. Sort of religious about, iconography and yeah. a couple of things. Maybe in the, over the last year or two, maybe. Yeah, no. Well, I pulled some uh, references from Byzantine art and uh, ancient Greek art, actually. I've been, it's more so been an interest on, in history and that's, than in my personal roots, I guess, that's inspired them. But uh, but yeah, absolutely. I've, I've uh, literally pulled from uh, from Eastern Europe for a lot of the recent works, Philo- philosophically as well. With, uh, I just have pulled in some philosophers, Nietzsche, Spinoza, and, and done into my portrait work and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, it's weird, man. It seems like you and I sort of ha- like go through some of the same sorts of ideas and sort of themes and not in like a way that our work looks similar, but yeah. it seems like we may have like similar interests, like the idea of, of using history. Like, and I was just talking about this with my last guest, like how sometimes as a painter, like just the research stuff that goes into like trying to figure out what you're going to say visually like yeah. it, it gives you a history lesson that's different than like you would get in a, a traditional school or you know just reading one book about a particular topic like do you do you, does that play into the stuff that you're making too because i know history was like a first love right like did you go to, you went to school for that yeah yeah i did actually yeah my undergrad was in history. not just art history human history or you know, yeah, I, well, again, thanks. I guess in part thanks to my mom. I, I especially focus in biblical history, but uh, I'm not in any way religious. I just enjoy the history of uh, what shaped mankind, you know. Right. Um, and then, yeah, I think you're right, man. When I was studying history, one of my favorite aspects was I, I think they call it historiography, which was more than just uh, learning the dates. It was, uh, you know, reading town receipts and trying to really get an idea of what was actually going on. And I always love that kind of more tr- attempt at personal connection to a time. Again, back with my own work, I, the research is more still of a personal interest, I guess. So because uh, I'm not really trying to retell history or anything, just, uh, you know, referencing time because it's interesting to me. Yeah. And that, that's sort of what I mean, even like it doesn't. That's what what's funny is that like with artwork, it's so cryptic and usually multidimensional in meaning. Yeah, that a lot of that history lesson may not translate over into the piece itself, but it's almost just like a personal. Like I use that in my in my bio, like a personal history lesson, and I may not be able to reteach it to anybody. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I I, I have a similar thing where I often call them memories, and uh, they're not actual tangible memories that I have of ancient Rome per se, but. Uh, but my reaction to learning about that time and thinking about those people and stuff is a memory. And uh, so in that sense, you, you spent some time in, uh, in Florence. Was that, let's, maybe we should jump back a little bit before we get ahead of ourselves. Like what, 
were were you making stuff before you got involved with uh graffiti or 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 you know obviously kids always make shit but when did you did you have a sense of like noticing that you got some sort of satisfaction from drawing or painting yeah and i think for me it was pretty late actually it was uh it was when i was in florence did i lose you mike no no i did a little as uh, it is glitching is it better yeah Oh, good. So, All right. see. I'll turn my camera back on. If you want, you could leave it off. Well, it's better for you. It doesn't matter to me. Yeah, it's it's fine. Um, so, you were saying that you, when you were in Florence, you really decided to to start painting. What, what, what age was that at? I went to Florence when I was 21. Uh, and I, I was just really interested in graffiti at the time, actually. It was a... My grandpa gifted me the trip when I was finishing my undergrad. Um, he wanted me to visit, you know, the where I guess Western history came from, uh-huh. and uh, I uh, took him up on it, obviously. And uh, I knew some writers who lived in Florence from when I lived in San Francisco, actually. So it was an easy uh, thing, man. Just went to go. When it was a blast. I went out there, and I already had Italian friends. Uh, I lived with a bunch of Americans in a, in a dorm room or something, but. Uh, and I didn't really make very much art there, actually, but I read a lot and uh, I saw a lot. And my interest in history combined in such a great city for our history uh, right. really like awoke something. I didn't I don't know why I didn't realize it earlier I mean, in high school and all that. I just played music. I guess that's why. But uh, I came back completely transformed, actually. It almost feels silly, but uh, telling saying that. But I did. I came back and was a. Uh, immediately just obsessed with painting and uh and just started uh, teaching myself painting really and you know at 21 that's a a pretty big cultural shock right like i don't know how touristy the area was for you or if it was it's sort of you know if you you were immersed into the culture you know like it's so different going to that foreign of a country in comparison to say southern or even northern california right Oh yeah, absolutely. But at the same time, it's not. It's a European. Uh, you know, we're a kind of a European country. It's, it's there. It was definitely different. I happened to be there on September 11th, which was interesting. I'll never oh, wow. forget that because. Uh, so 2001, September 11th. Yeah, I was there for that, and uh, it was just a weird place to get the information. Yeah, um, I'm sure. But uh, you know, being from LA, I was wasn't necessarily worried about my family, but it was still just a it was just a weird place to be and not being able to read the news. And my Italian friends were friendly, but more. Uh, did know. did he, are you able to now gauge the difference in reaction to say like what was happening in America compared to what was happening in Italy? Was is there something noticeable now? No, not really. No. Um, Actually, I think if anything is as as funny as it is, I missed out on the American experience. I think in of experiencing that tragedy, which man, I don't even know why you I would want that, but I just yeah, noticed right. it, that I was missing it. Uh, you know, the endless TV coverage and commentary and stuff. And in Florence, it was uh, there was TV, but again, I couldn't understand it. And uh, yeah. the internet was around. Obviously, I used the internet and read things. I remember being more worried than like I thought. So you know, I thought it was all going down down the drain or something but uh 
anyway, it was just a, it was an interesting place to be in it. It's, I, well, I, I think, love Florence. I think that idea is interesting, the idea of missing out on the tragedy, because even though it, it sounds heinous to say... There, yeah, I didn't mean it to come up. No, totally, yeah, totally. It, it, it's, there's a sense of community and, like, a weird sort of bond that happens when there's a, a common uh, disaster, a common uh, difficulty amongst a group of people. Like, it create. there's almost like a love that comes from it that is experienceable. Yeah. Well, and that's what I think, I mean, it's in... Yeah, I already said it, but uh, I actually was surprised how much I missed the TV coverage. It was I don't watch a lot of TV, but uh, but I guess I wanted to hear endless pundits talk about it, and I yeah. in Italy. <laughs> so. And that's it was such a weird day. Like that's how that's like what I remember. Like all of us just sitting on the couch, like still in pajamas or whatever, you know, like just sitting there all day. Did- there was a there was a I was doing my first bit of grocery shopping, and again I, I had been to Europe before, and Italy's not again that complex of a country. Uh, I mean, as far as culturally, it's you can it's easy to find your way around and stuff. Uh-huh. But uh, I was in a grocery store, and I remember there was an American girl on her cell phone, and she just started screaming in the middle of the store, and I was I'm pretty quiet, and I remember looking at her, and being like, God, what an annoying American <laughs> causing the scene. Uh, but. I, you know, I found out what she had found out, which was uh, that the first tower had fallen, and it was, yeah, never forget it. Yeah, that's crazy. So, did you have to fly soon after that? Uh, yeah, a few months later, but uh, I wasn't too worried. I mean, it's the yeah. same. Life is dangerous, but the odds are generally in your favor. You know? I know. I um, God, it, it was probably like uh, it was right, maybe the ninth anniversary of of nine eleven. Which it's so weird to to even like remember anniversaries of tragedy. It's so funny how like our we celebrate tragedy in this, or like with our holidays and like certain days of remembrance are are built around tragedy. Well, America is such a young country, really. I, I feel like we don't have that many. Uh, we haven't had a lot of things happen on our soil. Yeah. So when it, when it does, I think a lot of European countries they've they've had it. They had the wars. So yeah. Uh, I ended up flying, I think, around the ninth anniversary. It may have been the 10th anniversary, which makes it even a little bit more ominous. Sure. But uh, I had to fly. Yeah, it was a cheaper and rate on your flight. I hope. It was a really cheap rate. And, you know, when I booked the flight, I didn't even, I didn't even, like, it It didn't, I think I had the option between that day and maybe one other day, but I really had to fly on that specific day to, you know, accommodate the the schedule or whatever. Yeah. And that morning I woke up with like a terrible migraine and puked my guts out just like oh, from man. nerves. Yeah. And once I puked, I felt okay. But like I could tell it was just from a, an unnatural nerve in the body, you know, just from flying on some day. And it like I, I've said this before, but it was a ghost town in there, which sounded even more ominous. But like walking <laughs> down these hallways that I'm typically used to seeing packed and it was just quiet. I was dead. Where were you flying? I was only flying like from San Diego to Portland, or it was a short. It wasn't maybe I was flying to Vegas. It's a little comfort in that, anyway. Yeah, it wasn't a, a long distance <laughs> flight, which was it may have been. Yeah, if you're flying in for, to uh, from Miami to New York or something. Maybe I worry about. Yeah. Do you ever go? Out, I was just talking to an artist from Miami. Um, do you ever go out for Art Basel or any of the art fairs? 
Oh yeah, man. I uh, I haven't been now in a year or two, which uh, I regret every year actually. But uh, but I have been before. And yeah, I know you you always show your work out there. Yeah, and I do like to go. It's just uh, yeah, I just keep getting busy right around that time. But I, I do hope to go this year. I, I expect to be there this year. Yeah, it's a. I've I've been going for the last two years now, and it it's fucking crazy. Yeah, I remember the first year I went being. Uh, overwhelmed feeling uh it reminded me of vegas in a way not maybe not the art but the uh just the atmosphere and staying up and not even realizing what time it was and i like that it, it kind of reminds me of a grateful dead concert parking lot with a lot of rich people yeah and cuban sandwiches <laughs> dude that's i just i was telling her that i want to move to cuba or to cuba i want to move to miami just for cuban soup yeah cubans make good food fucking so good i could see living in miami I could too. I, uh, I could too. I could too. I, I don't know about the humidity, but again, I, uh, I fantasize about living in other places, but I really feel like I probably won't ever leave where I live right now. I know. I kind of feel that I feel like that's, I say it a lot about San Diego. Like it has this magnet that's just holding me in place. We go, I go down to San Diego every so often these days. Uh, my girlfriend is from down there. It's a lot different from Los Angeles, right? It is different. The beach is pretty. The museum is amazing. Yeah. yeah, it's actually got a good contemporary art thing going on. What um, so when did you decide to start making? Besides, you know, besides in Florence, did you make a decision to to uh, search out gallery work and and start creating works as a way to make a living? Is that an idea? Um, not so much early on. I guess uh, for me, it was the transition from being a graffiti writer, and I was pretty. Uh, I wouldn't, I guess I shouldn't say prolific. I was, I took it pretty seriously. Um, already had me uh, used to the idea of wanting my work shown. So I dived in probably even maybe prematurely actually. But uh, almost as soon as I started painting, I started showing and trying to get in group shows. And, uh, and yeah, actually probably did it a little backwards. I think I showed my work before I really spent too much time thinking about it. Um, Which I, that seems to be the case more often for self-taught artists. And you didn't go to, you didn't go to art school. You went to college, but it wasn't art specific, right? That's right. I didn't study art in college. Well, no, I studied art in college, but only for a few months. You know, I took an elective program, which was actually pretty influential, but uh, I didn't enjoy it all so much at the time yeah. um, and stay with history and philosophy. But, um, but as I said, I always, I had a, I was, I've always been really into making things, music or art or, or graffiti or whatever I, I, I make all the time. And uh, yeah, again, in Florence, they just, the, the interests collided into art and, when I started showing in LA, yeah, I, I kind of feel like it's a weird, I've been sort of uh, learning in front of everybody in a way, <laughs> <laughs> which uh, at times I've, I've not been so thrilled with, but uh, you know, it just is what it is. Yeah. You can't really do much about it now, right? Yeah. And I'm also still thankful for a lot of it um, because there are, uh, you know, I started living as an artist about five or six years ago. I, when I first started showing, I did work a job, and right after college, I, I pretty myopically focused on getting a job at the Los Angeles County Museum of Art because I th thought it would be a great way to learn about art and uh, make a living to start painting, and that's what I did, and I did th that for a few years. Um, what was that experience like behind the behind the walls of a museum? It was really interesting, actually. Like Wizard um, of Oz. 
Sorry? Like The Wizard of Oz? Well, no, I wouldn't say that, but uh, but I, I was a, a privy to seeing, uh, you know, I mean, the board of donors is, you know, amazing, impressive collectors who are, you know, work for LACMA or, or contribute to LACMA. Um, LACMA put on great shows when I was there and even more so now that I'm not there. But um, I, I had the opportunity to befriend some curators, which I probably wouldn't have had otherwise, uh, just over coffee, you know. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, little things I, I met. I got to meet Tim Hawkinson. I remember early on was he was installing a show at LACMA and, and stuff but uh, you know i i worked in development i wore a suit and was very uh just i mean i, I was an assistant you know but uh yeah. but it got me around art and again that's my was my goal so to be around art every day was was definitely interesting yeah and, that's, uh, and that's an interesting mix for people to yeah i think a lot of you know young artists either get into illustration or or something that it maybe like a graphic design angle like some way to be around it was it was it your interest to be around painting specifically or did yeah, it matter? It was, um, you know, and I'm still a painter, <laughs> but, yeah. uh, I, I, at that time in particular, LACMA, I, I think find interesting about myself. I was, I really was interested in Renaissance painting. I, uh, that was it at the time. It was, again, I, I tend to be obsessive and kind of myopic when I have fascination. And at that time, I was very interested in the old masters. And so I did generally focus on those works, which was cool. But I'm amazed at this time how many other works I slept on that were there. <laughs> I was going to make a tweet about, like, imagine some, just, like, pick a Renaissance artist that, you know, imagine them on a podcast what would they talk about but then i realized the tweet was a little like i got a little too high and it didn't make that much sense so i didn't tweet it but now i'm talking about it on the podcast well no it makes sense i mean i, I love doing those kind of thoughts i mean yeah. uh, it's probably a safe bet to picture uh, caravaggio being a fun conversation about uh, <laughs> um what politics and <laughs> vice yeah i think i was thinking about um albert Dürer. oh yeah how interesting that dude would be to have on a podcast. When I worked at LACMA, I don't want to you know bore people with all this past personal history, but we had to uh, do once a month, an employee had to do a report in our department only on a piece of art. And uh, I remember we, did, we had a, they have a gorgeous uh, Georges de la Tour painting there. It was just a gorgeous painting. I remember reading about him and being amazed again, all these furnaces, you know, known for peeing in the streets and not paying <laughs> taxes and all this kind of nonsense. But but a beautiful, beautiful painting. Something that I wanted to talk to you about is the the we we talked a little bit about transitions, the transition of evolving as a painter. I think um, I went, you know, it's I went back and was looking through all your stuff as we decided to to have this conversation. And over the last like year or so, it it seemed like you made some really dramatic changes in the work that you were making. And yeah. as I went back and started to look at it now, like over the last few years, like it doesn't seem as dramatic in the overall body of work. Oh, but thank you, man. I think to the casual viewer and even to myself, you know, like I've kept track of what you like. I see the stuff that you're making and when you're doing shows and stuff. 
And even to me, it felt like you were making some very dramatic changes. But as as the whole, you could see like the sort of progression of it. Um, and I, I guess that goes with anything like age. Like you don't really see yourself age until you like look at a picture of yourself when you're twenty sure. or whatever. Sure. I, something I've been noticing a lot, and I, you know, I th- we're both around the same age. Um, I I see people, especially now in the figurative world. Of people who have focused like you know like a strong around a decade of working on the figure, there yeah. seems to be a move towards abstraction, like the abstraction of figure. Um, and I guess abstraction has always been part of your work, but it seems to be co- becoming more prevalent in a way. Is that is that is that fair? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah. Um, if there was a question in it there, I guess, uh, probably just add a question mark at the end of whatever I say <laughs> and just assume that it means that it's a question. <laughs> well, it's, a, it's this, I guess, state I, question. Somebody said to me the other day, uh, something to the extent of, uh, the more you become an expert in something, the more abstractly you can look at it. And, uh, at least just speaking on my own education of learning painting on my own, that's what's happened. I, uh, again, was originally so interested in the, uh, old masters and how they used philosophy in a narrative way. And, uh, and I was so inspired to try to do something similarly, but as time goes on and you learn more even about contemporary philosophy and contemporary art, uh, a lot of ground has already been covered and it's pretty interesting stuff. And, uh, so in that sense, uh, yeah, I know for me, abstraction, I'm much more interested in abstraction than I am in figurative painting. I still work in a figurative realm, um, I'm still interested in the figure, but I'm trying to find new ways to look at it. Yeah. And something that I find really interesting is also like, I'm going through a lot of these same things. Like it's almost like, I feel like there's this is something I've been thinking about a lot lately is that, and it's kind of like what we were talking about history, how like the lesson isn't always passed on. I feel like that happens a lot with, with if like, if I did air quotes and said portrait artists or figurative artists like sometimes the messages get lost in the sort of the image itself and there's i guess that could be said about abstraction too but it's there's something less specific that can be added with or portraiture becomes so specific that it kind of it's hard to attach another message to it do do you find that as being a playing a factor in in the switch for so many figurative artists going into abstraction? Well, I can only speak for myself, but for sure, me, sure. yes, that's absolutely, that's absolutely true. That's, I've become bored of, of figurative painting, really. But faces are still fun as fuck to paint, though, and draw, right? Like, it's still, it still seems plausible, but it seems like it's the the message, or, you know, for whatever reason. It doesn't even well, have to be Yeah, no, message. I'm not bored of people, you know? And yeah. so in the same way, I... Uh, I, and I still paint figures more than anything else. I, I do like figures. It's just figurative art generally has become boring unless it has something more going on for me. You know, Which I, mean, there, I think I like I love Marlene Dumas. She's a figurative painter. I still I think she's great. I st- I love looking at, at figurative art. Like that's what I want to look at. And it just yeah. ha- it turns out that like I feel like one as a professional artist again air quotes. Uh, <laughs> that there's some aspect of pleasing a market to a certain extent when it comes to knowing that you have to make a living, um, which I think doesn't necessarily dictate what you make, but 
I know for myself in the past and in the present, I've 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 had concerns about what was going to make sense to the public, which. And that's kind of what like fi- like doing the abstraction is kind of like a big fuck you to that like yeah I don't I don't think you should have that even though I understand I I don't think you should have that no I know and it's like it's not a positive trait you know I got I got a ton of negative traits that I, <laughs> I'm working through constantly well you're funny that's not a problem <laughs> I and you know I of course i i always espouse like those sorts of positive ideas but it doesn't you know that's not to say, you know i i i talk about this a lot how you just kind of got to me and my wife have been talking about like the idea that you have to fake it to make it like sometimes like i and i've been using this idea with frustration like little things that make me mad i have to convince myself like i know that they're frustrating me and making me mad like somebody cuts you off in traffic but i have i have to like talk to myself and convince myself that I'm not pissed off, yeah. even though I am. But you figure over an, a large portion of time, like a long portion of time, that eventually I won't be pissed off by those little things. Well, it's good to uh, use your mind, man. And uh, sometimes it's hard to uh, squash reaction or immediate uh, reaction, but it, I think it's good to uh, be aware of every, of the moment as fully as possible. Yeah. And if... Uh, I'm not that I don't have uh, temper myself, but uh, <laughs> but, I, but I try myself. I'm, I can be moody, but uh, I think you you've been about portraiture and figurative work. I think you've been doing some interesting things lately with, which I think I've noticed something in the work over time, like this sort of yin and yang of a uh, level of beauty, then like uh, not ugliness, but like a like almost like like a disaster, like beauty and disaster going together like there's a sort of like a, a clean and dirty with, mm-hmm. with some of the work um and you've been taking some interesting steps with doing like rendered your your rendered figures with a very non-rendered portraiture over the top and some interesting layering effects that sort of mess with people's eyes when they're trying to figure out you know that's something that's interesting about people who paint the figure they know how the eye looks at a face because of doing it all the time so they know when when things are in the wrong place like you get that weird jitteriness and i yes. think a, a lot of the work is almost taking on like a psychedelic effect yeah i i actually want that i i want us i uh i like psychedelic <laughs> effects you know i mean the come you know some of that work you're talking about I, i'm kind of referencing some old surrealist techniques you know i can't say i invented them but uh but I'm interested uh, in making frenetic work, you know, that sort of, uh, I guess I tend to be an impatient person, you know, I, I want to enjoy life, but I, I'm always in a rush. I feel like uh, I'm going to die any day or something, not in a hypochondriac way, but just yeah. the time is so short and I'm so aware of it. And I'm, it's a, it's a bad trait. I feel that I, I'm, I was in such a rush. Has that um, been something that you've always experienced or is that a recent thing? Yeah, I think for me it's it's been my whole life. I mean, it just uh, I have the existentialist bug, you know. I uh, in seventh grade, I don't I don't know how much I understood it, but I started reading Sartre and uh, stuff like that, and definitely uh, have just been confused about what life is, and, and I'm on some fool's quest to solve it before uh, my time runs out. <laughs> yeah, even though I know yeah. there's no answer, that is the answer. But, yeah, uh, exactly. So what? What's... Sorry, I didn't answer your question. No, it's okay. 
but so speaking speaking a little more on the the layering process like i i you know i i like i like how there's there's certain areas that are are filled in with the rendering that fill in certain areas of what would be considered like line drawings are you doing i don't know if you if you're comfortable talking about technique or whatever but it seem, you seem to be uh using tubes to paint like the old school graffiti acrylic tags uh yeah I, I use a combination of things i mean i've done a bunch of abstracts recently with yeah tubes of paint just making marks from the tube itself which is really fun actually which i think i've been doing something very similar not in the but like the some pieces that look similar that have been inspired by the uh the japanese tsunami I think I've seen some of those, and I like what you're doing. Thanks. And I, as I as I look over the stuff that you're doing, there's a, a similarity. Like the a lot of the water pieces that you've done, like these these abstract marks have taken on a sort of uh, landscape in some in some of your work. Yeah, I've I've, I've been uh, always trying to find a way to make abstraction uh, work with narratives, and I had an idea about. Uh, I guess monadology or something Leibniz type uh, idea of uh, yeah, like a stroke of color being you know the the atom that can't be split, you know something like that. And so, just making abstract works of these lines, but still thinking of of them as a narrative construct of life itself, you know. So I guess they're not really abstracts. Does uh, yeah, right? That and that's 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 what's funny that like and these kind of what I've been working on like have have come out of a non it's like an abstraction of reality which i sort of are you interested in like uh like quantum physics and those sorts of things does any of that influence the things that you make yeah of course i mean i went through a big string theory i guess i shouldn't call it a phase because i'm not even good at math but uh there was a, there was a time last year where all i would read or listen to was stuff on string theory and m theory and um I do love quantum physics, and again, in an existential quest, it's fun to try to take a cosmic perspective to things. And uh, so, I love science and hearing about that stuff. Have but you again, read? Um, stuff is, an, is an abstract influence. You know, I, I haven't ever uh, taken an equation and made a work from it, um, or something like that. Yeah, but I am totally inspired by uh, that pursuit of the mystery. Right. It's uh, it, again. It's that was has been a big thing with me. Like. The, the just the abstract idea that we're made up of these smaller things that basically is telling us that we almost sort of just envision our entire world. It has a very matrix feel to to the field, really. Of what what does I'm sorry what? of of modern physics. Ah, uh, yeah. Like just under like understanding. In fact, they I think they just decided that the um, the Higgs boson is real mm-hmm. within the last couple months and they proved it they proved it and actually more interesting to me is uh, maybe not more interesting but on on top of that they just recently started they they're finally starting to understand what dark matter is i say they are starting to understand dark yeah, matter because they don't know who they are but <laughs> but uh <laughs> you know but i read those journals and I, I find dark matter so fascinating i can't wait to read what they discover <laughs> I just saw uh, a YouTube video of a new navy, a naval weapon that's a, like a laser beam. They're using a high-powered laser beam to shoot uh, drones out of the sky. Have you seen crazy. this? No, man, that's crazy. It fucking made my heart sink, man. Like, yeah, that's 
Yeah, there's a lot of life that uh, I don't tune it out, but uh, it's hard. It's hard to stay positive when you are aware of all the bad stuff that goes on. I know. I just watched um, the first episode of Vice's new show on HBO. I watched that too. Holy Jesus Christ! Yeah, that was that was uh, more intense than I was anticipating. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah, brutal. And you know, it made me think about like I live in um, a predominantly Asian uh, in in Indian neighborhood. And it makes me look at the 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 Filipinos that I live around, it, like knowing their story just a little bit more, like what type of environment growing up could be like in a in a country like that. And then just knowing, you know, I, we're so inundated with stuff about Afghanistan. There's so much information out there that like that's almost like general knowledge now, I feels like for most people, but it's still brutal to see. I was just at CalArts a few weeks ago, and I saw a, uh, a really powerful film by one of the faculty there uh, who went back to the Philippines, and uh, yeah, it was it was very intense. Yeah, it's fucking devastating, and the you know like the gun manufacturing, and it gets back like it. It seems like we have this big power struggle that is innately human, you know, or even it's innately animalistic instead of just dividing humans from it the will to power yeah well just the power trips like what it takes like the amount of devastation it takes to control a a group of people like what power looks like money yeah i know so so what happens do we ever switch out of this do we evolve does it take does it take technology does does, like do stories like this change anything like if we're talking about vice and like the information age and like showing other people's struggles does it does it change anything you think um i mean it has to change something but well i was gonna say you know it's i mean just you know speaking to an artist from an artist i guess that's uh i'm not sure man i mean i almost feel like, uh, <laughs> that's a safe answer well being an artist i mean i i tend to think uh i guess i i wouldn't necessarily call being an artist a noble pursuit but i i'm I feel like it's the only thing I I am, you know, it's what I do. Yeah. And uh, so it's my job to look at things in different ways and uh, try to think about life in new ways and, and hopefully pass that on to people. I mean, my work is in no way political, but uh, uh, but I, I yeah, man, I, as far as weighing in on how to change the world, I mean, I, uh, I've kind of, jeez, oh, man, I'm getting caught up because I'm like, do I want to talk about all that? But like, uh, I just kind of feel like I'm on my own boat, you know, like floating. And uh, I, I know I'm part of the bigger bus, but uh, but mostly uh, focused on what I'm doing here and what I can do with my time here and uh, react to things. And Yeah, and, which uh, it seems healthy. I can't right? speak for a global wave, you know. But at, at the same time, like like I was talking about that sort of uh, electricity that comes from a city, like if if we could have that same type of connection amongst all people do, do we make these things stop or is is power too much of a built-in machine structure that it's just going to keep rolling and these are just hypothetical questions you don't you know not even have yeah to no answer. it's it's fine i uh, i still i uh, 
caught, caught me off guard as far as being an art podcast. But I would say that uh, I know that's the thing with this show. It, it goes okay, into man, it's some. Fun. I was listening to some older episodes of yours today. It was fun. But I uh, do think actually that yeah, I, I don't think it's there's much hope. I mean, I think there's hope for the world, but I I think power is an uh, incredibly important part of uh, the whole system. You know, like a. I, I don't think you can take it out. I don't think you take money out. I, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I sometimes I, have this like strange fantasy. I'm a pessimist, that, I guess, actually, not for my own life, but for the general picture. I, sure. I try to. I try to uh, go optimistic sometimes, even though my pessimistic mind doesn't believe it. Again, it's like that fake it until you make it situation. Like, yeah. uh, like I try to think. Well, all these these like rich, uh, power hungry evil capitalist types greedy are really actually preserving things like they're actually not the bad guys that it seems like they are that they're just doing something that we don't know like as if like this like uh like unknowing sheep culture that we're just too oblivious to what's going on in our happy little world like i have this like utopian idea that they're really fixing things even though i know that's totally not what's happening but that's fantasy really you know I think it's a little bit of both, probably. Could be. I hope at least a little, like, at least well, 10%. You know, I mean, taking a history perspective to things, uh, just speaking, well, at least, well, I can only speak again as a Los Angeles native, but uh, the world has gotten easier, believe it or not. My girlfriend and I was talking about this. She always says how horrible it all is, and, and it is horrible, <laughs> but, uh, sure. I mean, if you know anything about history, it's it's gotten a lot better. You know? Yeah. <laughs> No one's going to come in and chop your arm off for no reason. Yeah. And that, you know, that's what I think, you know, with, like, recent gun tragedies and shit, it, it's, it's, see, it's really rare. Like, it's not, like, a lot of the threats that we deem as threats these days are not so much so. And it seems like we sometimes will uh, build a threat if one's not there. Like, we almost sort of thrive in a in a lifestyle that has some sort of threat to it, at least for a large portion of society. I think America is a violent country. Like, uh, it always has been since the beginning of America. So, uh, at least here, you know, I can't speak to so many other countries and people, but, uh, for here, I think so. And do you think, do you think that violence comes from a need for something or like a need for power or, is it is it a need for resource? Do you, what is it in, if it's inherent? You know, I know you know we we come from a, a culture of savages. You know, to a certain extent, for a lot of people, like a lot of people willing to take risks. I mean, again, for me, I guess just thinking of America, I feel I feel America is a very uh, it's an amplified country. You know, it's it's people that came here to start anew, and uh, they were extremists in their own religious views and. Um, it's been a country of conquering and going west, and uh, I live as far west as you can be, pretty much. And mm-hmm. uh, I think, just think with the history of the country, that's that's our history. It's it's uh, it's a conquer and take over country. It seems so strange in such a short time frame of history. Even the idea that the area wasn't more inhabited. In fact, I know that the area was more inhabited, but we we make it seem as if it was like this huge, vast emptiness before America. Well, it was empty in the same way that the Native Americans didn't didn't have uh, 
state lines, you know. Right. Oh, well, yeah, imaginary state lines, but you know, well, I mean, they're travel lines. They morphed, you know, like waves. You know, like things. Uh, it was a work in progress, I guess. There's some That's people right. that are that make claims, which may be as wacky as like the ancient alien folks, but that there was a lot of um, uh, civilizations in like the Northeast, per, well before you know, like uh, pre-Native American or you know, dating. A certain whenever I, I'm not sure what numbers to use. That, that and that's something I've always was terrible at history at was remembering numbers. And are you talking about Vikings? Well, maybe yeah, Vikings. But there was even like other you know native tribes. Like there was people who uh, like there's a lot of stone masonry that's supposed to be dated much older than what would be uh, you know early either Native American civilizations or early settlers. You know, so there may have been a, a much more civilized group of people living in the area even before what we consider in the history timeline. And that's all debatable, just on stuff that I've read and heard from people. Yeah, right, man. Do you know about any of the, um, like the rock mounds and, and stone masonry of like New England and New York? I've talked about it on the show before. I don't. I don't really know. There's some interesting stuff. If you look at um, uh, dry stone masonry in yeah. like New England, there was these. What they were they were considered to be um, root cellars. So it said that they were early um, settlers, root cellars, and then sometimes they're referred to as stone piles. Like a, like they don't uh, consider them any type of stone structure besides just like piles of rocks. But there's these like amazing structures that were built um, predating early settlers and at least a, a, according to some scientists but uh, that's something that's really interesting and then like the idea of, of history being what we're told you know it's just, it seems so far-fetched and then like comparing that to the amount of that has taken place here in 200 years it is a trippy place America and it, it's different throughout the whole fucking thing like it's it feels like we're becoming more and more like like a European place where each state is becoming its own little place in, in terms of like culture and society in each one. Have you ever spent any time reading or uh, thinking about uh, abstraction being the first American art movement? No, not really. And you know, like I I've never been all that interested in abstraction until I got sick of the figure. Well, totally it's interesting, honest. and I mean, even if you don't like abstract art, I feel uh, it's interesting, you know, like uh, well, what they did, right? Yeah. So, and uh, since we're on the trail of uh, American history, it, it's interesting for America, I think, that uh, our first real contribution to the history of art was abstraction. And you know what I think? I, I have this I guess I have thought about it to some extent, but not in the sort of historic terms, like, of of being a first, but... To me, it seems like you know. I, should, I I don't know if we're actually the first in the historical narrative. We're first, obviously, but yeah. uh, but I know that there was a show at LACMA, uh, well, when I worked there, that covered how uh, abstraction was actually going on all over the world at the same time. It feels to me like it comes out of a level of despair, or like even sometimes, and I feel like the same thing with. Um, Do you know that Rauschenberg quote that? Uh, sorry, interrupt. no, no, go ahead. 
it's just funny that there's in that painter's painting documentary, Rauschenberg says, uh, you have to have time to feel sorry for yourself to be an abstract expressionist. (laughs) (laughs) And that's, I think that's what it comes out of like a level of sorrow or, and what I think it is, I think it's a a response to, or in in the past, I feel like it, it could possibly have been a response to an uncontrolled environment or, uh, like, when real life gets difficult, I feel like more people are interested in fantasy, and I yeah. feel like at the time, abstraction was the biggest of fantasies. That's interesting. I'm not so sure. I, I think I agree with you, but uh, but I do think escapism is really interesting. And in Which that. I feel the same way about, like I was going to say, about pop surrealism, like particularly the pop surrealism in Los Angeles, where uh, fantasy is being sold all the time. I find that it's, and you know, and I bet you that there's probably like a high level of depression in the city too, in comparison, but yeah, perhaps, you know, know, maybe, but I feel like there's something about that escapism that is important for a collector base or the viewer or an audience. Like there's something that they, that they get from that escape that is rewarding for them, especially when times are difficult, like during the depression years or, you know, even during the most recent recession or depression, whatever you want to call it. You mean right now? Yeah, right now. (laughs) And, you know, I kind of, I saw it sort of coming, you know, like at a certain time I was talking to, um, I was talking to an artist in San Francisco about how like psychedelic uh, abstraction was going to sort of move into a, a more popular phase with with art collectors, and I haven't actually seen it happen. But I feel like there's a general consensus among artists who've been working for a particular amount of time of making a sort of uh, a tipping point shift. Um, Do you see that as as a group? I'm not sure. I'm sure I'm following you. Are you talking about like op art or like, uh, I mean, or you mean the pop surrealist moving into abstraction? Yeah. Or even like figurative painters. I mean, I haven't seen, I think pop surrealism is going to continue to be popular for, you know, a, a long time. But I think a lot of people making things are, are shifting their focus. It seems to be a, a slight cultural shift. And that's why I, I seem to relate it to, like, how a country feels about itself at a, at a particular time in history. Yeah, that's interesting. I, Add uh, a question mark to the end of it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you are funny, man. Sorry. Um, you know, I mean, with pop surrealism, I, I guess what I think of it, uh, I mean, I'm kind of just going off then instead, but... Uh, it reminds me of graffiti in so much as, again, it's just generally people kind of pursuing their own interests, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. No. But just going off on, you know, I'm interested in this fantasy, and so this is how I see it. And uh, it doesn't really contribute much to any bigger conversation, which is why I'm not so sure I am following where you're going with it, because I, uh, I've always – I've had a hard time uh, in this – my short career so far when people have called uh, the group of artists I've sh- – generally shown with to be a movement because uh i don't i actually don't feel there's a general uh, state of mind beyond uh people just making work that they want like to see and uh standing behind it which again there's nothing wrong with that but uh, yeah but i don't i don't know if i 
see a prevailing uh, philosophy for the time. I mean, again, speaking on pop surrealism. Yeah, you know, and I'm not, I'm not saying like definitively. You know, like I think you can go through and overgeneralize uh, movements or uh, a generation or a particular style. It's you know, just like with. Uh, with fashion trends, you know, there's certain things that happen where like, like for even just talking about the evolution of your work, how there's stylistic changes that have happened over the last, how are you? Know, 10 years? Is it yeah, yeah. Years? 10 years? Yeah, pretty much. And, uh, that are noticeable, but of course there's still, you know, obviously it's still a part of you. And it seems like those things happen. Like if you can look at, uh, a I subsection of uh, painters for the last ten years. For you, it was uh, not that drastic of a change in my work. I, I got to tell you again, I, I appreciated that because I've, I've been surprised how many people have said, uh, you know, why wow, you've totally changed or something. And because for me, it doesn't feel like that. I mean, I, I obviously I know what they're referring to as far as I'm not focusing on paintings of women uh-huh. anymore. But, uh, but the general uh, goal and vibe and. Uh, is not is no different for well, me. That, that's something I wanted to bring up to you too. Like, there's something that I I found interesting with the layering pieces, like the pieces that had the less detailed figure. Mm-hmm. That you know, there's something that gets like the general viewer is, and I, I'm saying this in the most sincere way, not trying to be insulting, but they're kind of dumb in mm-hmm. that they don't know the processes that go into like rendering something and that's sort of part of the mystique of painting is like wow how did they do that yeah it's a magician's trick but at the same time there's a part of it that's like that get that the work that actually goes into it gets lost and i find there's an interesting dichotomy between you doing the rendered works and then like the single line works over the top of it that Mm -hmm. it's almost to me it seemed like it was addressing that idea that for as a painter I know that I'm trying to trick the eye of somebody into thinking something looks a certain way. It's um, it's almost like you're showing some of those tricks to the viewer without without them even knowing. Is it do you, do you, is that a process for you? Do you, is that a, a thought in any way? Well, not not well in a way. Yeah, I well sure, but not not the main one. But I like that. It's cool. Thank you. Um, but no, actually, for more me it was it was a double fun thing. I mean, it was basically that was. When I made the pieces you're talking about, I was really uh, – I had been looking at Bacabia and his transparency series. And uh, I just love the idea of having more than one idea going on at the same time, which is consciousness, right? Mm-hmm. So it was fun to me to, uh, yeah, try to put more than one image in a painting and how many ways can I do that. And I'm still trying to figure that out in the studio right now. Um, and then – but it, I can't help but admit uh, there was fun in – Again, as somebody, I'm not so interested in figurative work anymore, even though I like doing it. And there, there was something fun about making, spending a lot of time, you know, three or four days, whatever it was, on, on a portrait, only to then go over it in one quick, uh, sketch. And yeah, and for me, uh, again, I'm not. I, it's an old idea, you know. It's been uh, 200 idea, oh, year old idea, I guess. But, but it's still fun for the people who I guess. Do you get a thrill from it, like? Like the risk? Is there some risk involved? I, I feel like... Oh, yeah, absolutely, which I think is... I mean, I, risk and chance are 
some of my favorite subjects and, and in arts, my, some of the best art, I think. And, and that is, that's again, part of the fun. It's the danger. And, oh, you're so, you know, some people would be so concerned you're going to go over that or something, but, uh, but again, you know, it's, uh, sorry, I'm speaking too much because I'm not saying I'm not being concise. It's not really about the process. It's just, it is fun that I know people will have that momentary reaction of, wow, he just went over that. But, uh, yeah. that's not the point of the work by any means, but, uh, I'd be a liar if I said that that wasn't part of the fun. Yeah, it's almost like, you know, people have to, and I talk about this a lot, like the experience for somebody, like even if you, you almost have to have made something to know that that risk is even a risk. And that kind of gets back to the, just the, using the word ignorance and dumb are not the right words that I want to use, but there's a a naivete, maybe? Is that, like saying it French makes it a little less stingy, maybe? I'm, I'm following you. I don't even want to be that insulting, but uh, I, I think unless you've done the act, there's no way to really describe the feeling. I, I talk about this uh, with people who have children and people who don't have children. There's no way for the two people to really understand one another's experience. I, I say the, the same thing about jujitsu or or whatever. So like somebody doesn't know the 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 scared feeling or the butterflies of. Like something that you maybe in not in the same way that of of painting over something that you just put some time and effort to, especially if you think it looks good, right? If you're like, mm-hmm. oh, it looks good, I don't want to do anything to it, and you just just brave it because you knew that that was what the, was. Is it usually the plan to go or over it, stuff, or it looks good? I can't wait to fuck, fuck it up. up. <laughs> Again, that's that yin and yang, right? With the dirty and the clean. Do you have children? I don't have children, but I have a Boston Terrier that's a lot like a two year old. But no. I, under- I understand. The <laughs> I have cats that I consider kids, and I have a kid. But I- yeah, how has that, has that changed? I it's it's funny. We've tried to get this podcast together for a long time, and I know that um, that father duties. It, I've been trying to get NC Winters on the show, okay. and his father duties coincide with like the timing schedule. Like you and I have been trying to get together for a while. And, you know, I should have said thank you at the outset because I, I know I, at least I emailed you to apologize. I I didn't mean to be so rude. I really genuinely uh, no 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 was excited to be asked to be on, and I'm sorry it took so long. It's I I've got to this point, and I think it's like with age that I'm getting to a point where I'm comfortable with things happening the way that they're supposed to happen. Like not so much trying to control them anymore. And this is another one of those things I was talking about, like the positive and negative, like like letting things fall into place the way that they are meant to and not trying to control them so much is really kind of freeing well good man it's also the way it is in the world yeah, right i just got to remember that shit and just keep yeah. it on the mind you're only a speck of dust man made of, you're stardust you know yeah Beautiful. i like that though that we're made of stardust i think that's cool yeah <laughs> that might be a good spot to end it let's um we can talk more art if you want to no i think we're good man i feel let's, like you got me into some crazy uh political things i was like wow i, I know that's like, right i throw people into a corner i i brought up i had casey weldon on the show and i brought up um transgendered fighters and uh fighting women i would have liked to have talked about that that was a there was he was not very comfortable with, with having that discussion but um well um Next time we'll have to do a party chat, I guess. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I hope I hope we can meet in person here before too long. I'm trying to make some more. Uh, I'm trying to make an effort to to go up to Los Angeles more often. Um, I go to art shows every Saturday night. If you ever want to come up, man, I'll just tell you where to go. There's a 
there's a good art site in Los Angeles called foryourart.com. I don't know if you have ever frequented no, it, but uh, you should save it. Um, foryourart.com, and they uh, generally, I mean, they don't give you every every uh, show, but uh, some top ones. And uh, um, I, I usually I go out every Saturday, so yeah, if you come out, man, definitely uh, let me know where you go. Yeah, that'd let be rad. And let's um. Where can we send people to see your work? I know you're on the Facebooks and the Twitters. Yeah, you know, I really don't tweet anymore. Which You don't? I was just I, looking through your old tweets today. I don't, which, I mean, I feel like actually half the way I know you is, is through Twitter. But um, I remember having a fun argument with you about Buddhism a year or so ago. I, that may have been on MySpace, my friend. No, it was not on MySpace. I think that may have been a MySpace situation. I know, but you're wrong. It wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, I remember because it was... I just remember it was fun. But uh, anyway, I'm on Instagram and I'm on Facebook. And um, yeah. And I have my own website, of course, joshuapetker.com. Cool. And uh, I'll I'll plug all that stuff on the blog and and on the the Live Free Podcast Facebook too as well. No, thank you for doing this. It's a – it's – I know how much time it takes to do something like this. It's a labor of love, I'm, I imagine. So thank you for... Yeah, man, I appreciate all the for, kind uh, words for sure. You know, interviewing other inter- interesting people. I listened to the Alika Cooper interview today. I, I really like her work a lot, and uh, that was interesting. Yeah. I didn't good. know that you knew her. I, I, I like her work a lot. Yeah, man, people trip out. Like, I get I, I, I get a bunch of requests on who to interview, and I'm like, oh, go back to number 30. You know? Oh, like, that's cool. And we're just right. about... This is episode 98. Oh, about nice, to, man. About to hit the 100 mark. Yeah, congratulations to whoever makes 100. You should be yourself. I know. Just it's. Uh, I was just talking about that today. I got I got a sponsor for the show, and I was telling him how like awkward and weird it feels to like do a monologue sitting in a room by myself. It did, just like where it feels like I'm talking to 100 people, but it's just me sitting in a room. It's it's very strange. I don't know, man. It sounds pretty artsy. Yeah, it does for the. You might you might be onto something. Yeah. <laughs> I can All right, Joshua. I'd be interested. That's, I'd be more interested in that than. Yeah, Fuck, I don't even know if like I could a, like a witness stand or something. You know, you have to answer. A, I wouldn't mind hearing you just spout out. Actually, that's not a bad idea. Maybe I could get people to submit questions. There you go. Do it. That would be easy to do. Maybe then. Yeah, you're on to something. All right, cool. my friend. I want to thank you again for taking the time to uh, shoot the shit with me. I appreciate it. Mike, it was a pleasure. Thanks so much for taking the time to talk to me about my work. I really appreciated it. Yeah, cool. All right, Joshua. Have a good night. You too, brother. Later. No man to carry Heaven